Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, uh, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to a special holiday and quarantine version of Protonic. It's a holiday. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic-styled holiday. (laughs) Take of that what you will. But here's another show. Excited to bring this to you at a different time. This is a Wednesday at the t- current time of this broadcast. But uh, it doesn't matter what time it is because I'm going to have a guest that is known for time traveling. Is known for time travel, if you can believe it. Mr. Brian Teasley, a.k.a. Bird Stuff of the Mighty Band Manor Astro Man. Also from uh, Servitron, Kazi uh, Way, uh, Saturn... So many, so many awesome things. Good time in St. Vincent. I think he's even here right now. Hi, Brian. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Coming in loud and clear. This is further along in the technological realm than Manor Astroman ever got. <laughs> we got to about like 1998 technology. And just stopped, huh? Just, and just stopped. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, we felt really revolutionary, you know, um, because when we started the band, we were touring before, you know, uh, we were basically used. It was it was a big revelation when we could do like uh, uh, have any kind of downloadable maps that wasn't a random. Oh, yeah, map. absolutely. That, that, that was a game changer, man. <laughs> but when we really felt ahead of the curve, uh, Sharp, the electronics company, made a thing called Pocket Mail. And you should look it up on YouTube, and I, I encourage your listeners to do so as well. But it was like kind of a personal organizer, you know, like where you would store numbers and different things. But it had a flip-out, kick-out little speaker that would send an analog fax signal through a payphone. And you would, like, type your emails in before you go to a payphone to do this. Oh, and, and then it would send them all at the same time. Yeah, 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 It would yeah, send yeah. them kind of like a fax machine, download it to this little personal right. organizer. And there was a while when we were, like, turning on other bands, like, I think, like, Super <laughs> Chunk and Low and a few other bands. Like, we felt like we were, like, changing the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I... We didn't, though. Just just if you were wondering, we did yeah, not yeah. change the world. <laughs> they didn't. You can, you can do Arrested Development voice uh, for that, I guess, if you wanted to. Right. Well, and even you know the band or the TV, the band or the TV show. Whoa, ooh, ooh. I was thinking TV show, but yeah, you know that, that that's kind of okay, what because I, I can't do I can't do either. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, but I was still checking. 
I, I kind of came in a little bit later than you guys, but I definitely remember the going to the library uh, to use the internet and like just get like the weirdest looks and like you know like whatever Poughkeepsie and whatnot. Like what are, what are, what are these guys up to? Like what what are these kids trying to do? Do they live around here? And then you know, right? Uploading the tour diaries right. through email after you put the diskette in or whatever. And... Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, when we first started, we were using an Akai S nine fifty sampler on stage to play various little bits of you know, our sounds and B movie yeah. dialogue and things like that. But it would take, I don't know, 50 seconds to load a new disc. And it, the storage wasn't that mind boggling by any means or, or, and, uh, so these be, be these, uh, weird little, uh, breaks in the songs where we'd have to just like, Hey, let's wait for this thing to load. And we were, I think it was like our second or third European tour and the button that loads, uh, it, broke off and often Coco uh, who is the person that controls that would have to like borrow somebody key, somebody's keys in the crowd to be able to to, like, to be to be able to get dig sample. into it to do it yeah 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 exactly so that's uh that's kind of you know you know that this budget rot for you you guys use the back to basic software that was the operation reinformation guys you know right? that was that wasn't quite there yeah there's a um yeah you're right there's there was a uh, uh some super corporate nerd cowboys out of pittsburgh named operation reinformation <laughs> that uh coco was part of for a bit that built a software program called back to basics and there there's hardly anything on the internet on them but if you can you can find anything it's super cool they all wore like suits and cowboy hats and it was four people playing the loudest music I've ever heard with um, with guitar straps with keyboards. I mean, like keyboards as in typing. Actual, keyboards. yeah, like uh, like Asdaf Jekyll uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. keyboards you type with a computer on. Yeah, it's probably the easier way to but say that could, rather than announcing home. But row. that said, they could swing them around like like ZZ Top always wished they could. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually the first time I saw that act was with you guys, and I, I was taken aback by the fact that they basically made you guys look like a bunch of jocks that's wow nobody you know that feels great <laughs> nobody's ever said that it kind of feels like it, it feels like this is the first moment in my life where i haven't been on the side of like ogre yelling nerds at <laughs> uh, i'm feeling i actually am bowing up a little bit feeling kind of tough now yeah there you go well i mean i heard that uh, i heard from a reputable source that you had a good movement on your fastball as a kid, and uh, you touched ninety in high school. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I did. I was, uh, I was um, bred to be a um, a baseball robot for sure, and then, um, <laughs> and then it never did really kind of um, suit well because I hated it. I just happened to be really good at it, right? And then like punk rock kind of took over my life and they coexisted for a little bit but at the beginning of college that kind of fell apart so did you how early did you did you start in because you you told a couple tales when i saw you in milwaukee it's actually one of the last shows i saw before Mm -hmm. uh lockdown uh which i'm really glad i went to it because we just gotten back ourselves and i was like i really want to go to a show it's like yeah yeah, i want to go to a show but you told some great milwaukee back in the day stories and it, it kind of occurred to me that 
the more adult manner Astro Man is sort of you're obviously very much still bought into the 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 projection of of the characters of Manor Astro Man, but there's a little bit of a blurring of the lines that has allowed to tell some of the more interesting or ribald stories. In fact, there's a very uh, interesting one about Milwaukee specifically that, that I remember. Yeah, you know, I feel like at this point in our career, we're kind of doing like. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a TV show that actually does this kind of like the Jerry Seinfeld thing where the show's actually called Seinfeld, but he's still kind of a version of what probably Jerry Seinfeld is like in real life. That's kind of where we are right now. I think we're just like, we're still the characters, but we're just, uh, our, our names are just in the title of the show. If that makes sense, (laughs) which, which it, which it actually doesn't, but but point being is, um, I think that yeah, no, Milwaukee, tour, though. <laughs> Milwaukee, <laughs> yeah, no, Milwaukee is, is always, um, been fun. I'm trying to like think of all the places we played that Shank Hall writes mm-hmm. a million times. Um, there was a place in the late nineties we played several times called the globe. What's the place? The rave. Is that one? The rave. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm a transplant. I'm actually from Oakland, California, but I played, used to play. Oh, right, right. Time, so I know all, if you, if you're going to talk venues, I'm a sound like I really know what I'm talking about because I, I'm and a, then like Atomic Records and yeah, then like yeah, a couple of DIY shows that were really cool and some DIY spaces. And then what's one time we played like the theater place. It's a little bigger. Uh, has Turner, a marquee. Turner Home? I, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. yeah that place is awesome. I think. I think that's, I think that's kind of the gambit of everywhere we played in Milwaukee, and then of course the last show, which was which was super fun. That was a super fun show. That was my favorite show on that, um, like uh, COVID without knowing it tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The co- it was uh, the Colectivo back room. Uh, yeah, and it was still like two weeks out before. It was like, oh wait, what? What's going on? What's 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 happening exactly? Oh. Uh. Yeah, exactly. And uh, honestly, like we didn't even think like we're in Brooklyn and Detroit and Milwaukee and Chicago and Philly and Pittsburgh. We're like right in the middle of out there. Mm-hmm. So um, with like, you know, 500 people breathing in a room and spitting <laughs> on each other. <laughs> no, it wasn't necessarily. This is this wasn't like an agnostic front concert in the early '80s, so I don't think people were actually spitting on each other. Um, at least not on purpose. No, but it's close quarters, Maybe we, and you know, you know, when, when you, it, it's exactly. almost like have you had the have you had the condition where you watch an older movie and you're like, oh my god, they're so close to each other. Why aren't they wearing masks? It's like, oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, you know, I own a music venue here in Alabama, and I'll, I've gone back and seen footage of bands playing, and I'm like, why isn't everybody wearing a mask at that show? So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's very weird. Oh, and by the way, speaking of which, I'm going to put my charger in. The reason why you can't see me right now is because um, uh, my phone is dying. And, and I'm just charging it now, but the only way I can do Zoom when my phone's dying if if I put you in the toaster and kind of use it as like a scan <laughs> for my phone. So you're still using the low tech for the high tech. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Man. See, I, I, I've, I've been doing like a couple times just being in music venue world. I've had a couple Zoom meetings and uh, had to put like, without te- without telling anybody. I'm yeah, like, yeah. you're sitting in a toaster, you know. I'm going to so, put you in yeah. slice too so you can get a better view. I, I was sure I was at least smart enough to unplug it. Right. 
you know, uh, <laughs> before my phone got fried. So uh, at least I'm that far ahead of the curve. The, the, the video is, is is a nice to have. It's it's certainly not a requirement. This this is this is an audio oh, yeah, enterprise. Sure. So it's you're all good, man. It's much appreciated that you're doing it all. Yeah, maybe at the very end, like we can like film my cat. We'll figure there it out. There you go. Maybe yeah, I'll we'll, be charged we'll, up by then. Something to look forward to. Some some bonus content, if you so, will. How how are you doing? That's what I really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how's life for you? Getting, getting by, man. I mean, like, uh, you know, I think it's a weird time to be a person with any amount of empathy whatsoever right now, let alone anyone creative, you know, bouncing off the walls. Right. It's, it's a strange time to uh, be on planet Earth in general. Yeah. I mean, how are you doing with the quarantine stuff? I mean, again, it, it, I've had some folks on that have, you know, loose associations with the venue, but venues, but like owning a venue is like. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's like, why don't you just punch yourself in the dick right now? Yeah, Cause that's about the same level of, uh, Oh, be- yeah. believe me, I have. Um, but the, um, yeah, I, I mean, choosing like kind of, uh, the strange trajectory of my life to be like one half of it is like playing in a band and touring. And the other half is running a music venue where touring bands come play. It what it's not the most pandemic proof plan. <laughs> I've learned. <laughs> how did how did you come to uh, go with the Saturn? Was it just like you wanting to take what you learned about what made a, you know, a, a good or bad venue and kind of do it right? Did you have some yearning desire yeah, it's, for that? It's, it's it's kind of what I feel is like kind of revenge against the music industry or the live music industry. <laughs> yeah. In the sense, okay. I mean, I like I, you know, outside. Well, here's what I mean by that. Outside of. Um, uh, you know, Manor Astro Man, I played with other bands and things. And like, I ended up for some strange reason spending 3,400 days of my life playing shows in various crazy places. And it's can be great. And there's a lot of venues that I love so much, but it never was exactly how I wanted it to be. And I was being like, I'm going to make it work one time and just like have a really nice apartment for bands to stay overnight so they don't have to. That's amazing. Deal with that and have it super easy load in. We load in right to the stage and have everybody be nice and not be grumpy and um, have it sound good and good acoustics in the room. And I just was like, it's kind of like my way to make sense of the blur of touring for 20 something years. Well, certainly, because there are certain things that you see over and over again and certain easy mistakes that would be correctable if anybody, you know, in some cases even gave a damn about correcting them. Uh, and in right, other right. cases, and I mean, just, you know, you know, not, but <laughs> yeah. And really like, you know, like from everything from Jabberjaw in the early nineties in LA to the Vera and grown again. I mean, it's, it's, it's Saturn. The venue I run is just amalgamation of stolen ideas of other good clubs and right. things they did just kind of mashed together. Um, but it's still interesting to go on tour and kind of, um, see the good and bad and be like, wow, I really, I mean, and I'll nerd out. I'll go to a place like, um, um, and see like, wow, I really like the way they have their mic stands honk. Right. <laughs> right like yeah. Like every, really drilling everybody, down, yeah. every else, everybody else in the band is like, dude, what are you looking at over there? Why are you crawling around behind the stage? It's like, I just, I, I don't want to see how they have their power distributed here. Or see right. how they're running <laughs> the yeah. three phase. Do, do they have it? Yeah, exactly. Do they have it on a 20 amp? Is it, uh, do they move yeah, up to a 30? Exactly. Yeah. 
so it's 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 kind of um kind of pathetic but i've kind of become a connoisseur of, of music in the world for whatever i mean i don't think it's pathetic reason. at all I, I wish that you know every oh, video owner put like well, one one hundredth of that effort believe me it. it is <laughs> believe me it is i mean i think it's i think it's laudable in the fact that you're 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 doing something with it to kind of make a place that and it's funny you mentioned jabber job actually came up uh last show i uh, had Eddie from uh, Distorted Pony oh, really? and, and Leopold, and we were talking about Jabberjaw, and it's sort of like it. It seems like there's always that that place that's that's like the place that's, that's the welcoming refuge <laughs> on on, on right. tour or whatever, where all the weirdos are allowed to do their weirdo thing. Yeah, well, just so, there was just no place, all ages place to play in L.A. Uh, and we at the time, besides there, and we needed a place because we weren't old enough because we were not we're not you know, over 21 at the time. And, you know, actually they're doing a, they're doing a documentary. We were out there not long ago and I did a segment and I told a story on there that I'll ruin by telling now on the radio, if you want me to, or not on the radio, <laughs> on the, whatever this is, uh, the pocket on the, are we on pocket mail? Yeah. 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 We're, we're on pocket mail. We're going to upload this uh, after we get some internet. Yeah. Okay, cool. So get, prepare your fat signals. Um, but it was just a place where the people were so nice and the crowd was so fun. But like there was barely any like it, they may have had like a residential air conditioning unit for like a baby's room in there. And it would always be like 104 degrees. And I remember one time um, just like if you're a drummer and this is just some advice and I'm sure a lot of people that are drummers have a good bit of experience with this. But if you're going to puke while you're playing drums it's best and i learned this after a bit to aim away from the hi-hat pedal and the kick pedal because like depending on what uh pineapple particles and and things that are on there and yoohoo chocolate milk whatever whatever it's looking like it's pretty slippery to try to continue to play your kick drum and uh i just remember it's like looking down there's like so much on uh so much puke on my kick drum pedal i think it was just because of the heat and i was like uh all right this 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 is what we're doing and it was great and it was awesome because that's just that that was the vibe there and that's the biggest thing about you know doing music venues is there's places i mean this is kind of what i've told my staff is there are places that have a million dollar pa system that you know but a million dollar pa system costs a million dollars and being nice is free yeah, <laughs> and exactly. just like having good people because i'm still amazed sometimes you go into a place and like there's nobody there quite yet and, and like proper venues and um and there's a grumpy bartender that doesn't even want to tell you where the stage <laughs> is or where the backstage is or where you're, you're getting in. like attitude at the jump like where it's like what okay sorry right. and it's like <laughs> sorry I'm asking my thing is always like <laughs> like hey look this does i know contrary to the way the whole music industry has been like kind of like like grown up but like it it honestly does not have to be an adversarial situation like you guys want to have a good night we want to put on a good show the better show we put on the better night you have and it looks better for like yeah the rising tide lifts all boats come on yeah yeah it's like how about this how about we all work together so that the people that pay their hard-earned money can have a good time. It's, yeah, you think that'd be more common. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and there are there are great places. I'm not saying that there aren't places that do that really well. It just 
it blows my mind when um when there are places that don't do it at all. Because yeah, when a place is like welcoming and a place has like you know they're they're like happy you're there. There's an engagement. It's very clear that everyone's on the same page rather than just like you know the resting sullenness. Like that's almost more important than the aforementioned million dollar sound system that you mentioned before. It can actually turn like a you know whatever a cafe corner into an arena uh, as far as vibe goes because it's all about. Uh, you know, the show, it doesn't matter what the what the gear is. I mean, it does if it's, you know, substandard, okay, you know, that's a challenge for sure. But you can have some of the best shows that way. Uh, and so that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there's been times where, like, um, just because most of the sound guys we've had over years have been really nice and, like, we've come in and there's been all kinds of screwy stuff with the PA and we do our best to help fix their PA for them <laughs> and then play the show. <laughs> and that's the, that's the kind of thing. It's like, let's just make this work the best we can, whatever is the situation. But, um, but I do like a super shitty messed up sh- situation or a show uh, too, because like we kind of, I say this expression, I should, I shouldn't speak for the other people in the band, but like, um, we can throw a disclaimer up. Exp- <laughs> right. So, um, but they've heard me say it a lot, at least where like, we kind of sort of seen every shade of shit possible. And, um, and, but every once in a while still, they'll be like, Whoa, look at this rare gem of a chartreuse looking turd. We're playing tonight. Like, this is something new. Like we're underneath the girls gymnasium at some land grant college and there's urine leaking on our heads when we're trying to write a set list and like this is golden you know literally golden, golden was a bad yeah. expression for <laughs> yeah, the, I yeah. <laughs> um and i love like i love like lame promoter excuses for like bad shows and um one of my favorite ones is we played like it was like an all ages space in tucson not club congress that place is really awesome people there are great but it was way back when and <laughs> there wasn't many people out and uh which is fine but the promoter said that because it was an all ages place report cards had just came out and the kids didn't do very well that six weeks <laughs> and a lot of people got grounded <laughs> and i was like man that is the best bullshit i've ever heard for you not putting up flyers yeah, or yeah, our band yeah, yeah. not drawing people or whatever come back on a friday man yeah <laughs> yeah right exactly we need to get you guys back in here you know? yeah 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 uh, but i love stuff like that because you know it's just like we've kind of we kind of are used to everything. I'm sorry I'm talking so much about live touring and venues. I think it's just because it doesn't exist right now. Right. Well, yeah. It's and it, it's still but, uh, it's of interest. If I, it's it's of interest to the listeners of the show as well as me. So it's you're, believe me, yeah. it's a problem. I'd, I'd be like enough. You know, we we <laughs> I get a lot of you know bands send out like you know I'm sure a lot, probably a lot of your listeners are in the music world. But if you haven't been, yeah, if you haven't been in a touring band, if you have, this is going to be super boring, but I'll, I'll kind of give the behind the scenes to the, the making of the thriller video here anyway, is the, um, uh, like you, you'll, uh, you'll get at a venue, you'll get like a rider, uh, for what the band needs. And that includes like technical specifications as well as like, you know, any kind of basic, you know, food, drink, whatever. Yeah. 
And then you'll do an advance maybe with a tour manager or one of the band members and kind of figure everything out. But like a lot of times the advances and also the riders are written really aggressively because there's been this arms race <laughs> where people feel like, you know, we're going to ask for way more stuff than we're, than we get. Cause we never even get it anyway. And like, and, and also the tone of like tour managers, um, like advanced emails are like kind of aggressive and weird. And it'll be stuff like, you know, we must have 16 feet clearance Florida still for our giganto banner that we're going to be hanging as it like, like very like, or, you know, no, you know, no substitutes. I love that one. No substitutes. And so I, I took time to like, kind of, you know, ride ours where it was like, it, 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 it like literally says, Hey, we've been doing this for a long time. We're super easy going. Like if you can provide uh, some very basic things like some hummus and like a, a tiny bit of beer and some bottle of water and things backstage and just make sure you have this stuff, that's all we really need. And we're flexible on if there needs to be an, a local opener. Or anything. Like, and I've, I've had people at clubs is like, why is you – why are you guys advanced written that way? <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's like, it's like literally the only one that I know that's kind of like, besides like, I don't, you know, the other people that I've dealt with and I'm kind of veering into another subject, but, um, uh, the only people I've dealt with that have had something like that are like Mike Watt or any of the Fugazi guys. And when I've done shows for any of those kind of folks theirs is kind of you know in that same vein well yeah because there's certain things that you think would be standard right like you know uh one we used to have was just a place that changed strings that's you know you're not in anybody's way like you shouldn't think that that would be like a big ask right you know like another one i remember is uh house music shouldn't be as loud as the bands you know, that's, 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 right. that's another one. Like stuff that like should that, be reasonable. Is, is that the standard? <laughs> we've always, we've, we've been saying the wrong thing. We're like, play the house music twice as loud as our band. <laughs> See, I need to, I need to listen to the show more. Well, but I think it's something where I think it's somebody, you guys, you guys are coming at it from a kind of a workman. Like, I think you're not trying to be prima donnas or anything along those lines, but it's almost like you said, the whole idea of like you ask for the moon and then like you get an asteroid instead <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know that that gradation right. of scale, like everything's yeah, got to be bargaining as as, pawn stars or something. But and, but please, you know, let it be like an asteroid with no Bruce Willis or Ben <laughs> Affleck or you know that that freaking turd of a you know, movie that, was I, on it, lately. You know, I, I actually saw more of it than I probably should admit, and I was like, this is like how does, propaganda how does, for how does it hold up? People. You know, there's a Criterion version of it. Oh my god, that's probably got a lot of uh, you know like. Um, Easter eggs and commentary tracks. I, I'm gonna send me your address, like off the pocket mail, and I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you a copy of that. The Criterion, <laughs> the criterion version, version of Armageddon. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? there really is one. Look it up. So, the thing is, that movie's so long already. I never have once mm -hmm. been like, you know, hey, there needs to be more of this. Maybe like more stuff on the oil rig or something. What are they gonna throw in that's like that's more? I mean, it's already so like Chloe and Michael Bayish. <laughs> with everything right. i mean and there's things like uh, the steve buscemi character like just goes space mad for like no reason just because it serves the plot for him to do something stupid like i mean it's, it's typical michael bay stuff but yeah you know how there's always like the director's cut version yeah 
I kind of that's one of those films that I wish there was a director's cut where it's like a 16 minute version where as soon as they find out an <laughs> asteroid hits the earth, it actually hits the earth and everybody just dies and then screen goes black and you see the credits. They all died. Like, I wish the there end. was a director's cut like that. Yeah, that would that'd be the people's cut. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's a great name for it. Uh, well, you know, speaking of speaking of asteroids and not a Bruce Willis too, at, at some point I would like to actually talk some something about the records too. I mean, you guys, Man or Astro Man alone has a very long and storied discography of oh, which I celebrate. This is a Man or Astro, this is a Man or Astro Man interview. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so, you guys started fairly young, right? And and then. Um, mm-hmm. There, there was a lot of singles. There's like the EPs, but the first, the first record, uh, which I think is Estrus, right? Is the, is the, is it Man or Astro Man? If I remember correctly, fact check me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that was like the first like LP, like in a full like whatever, fourteen songs or however many songs. Like people in the '90s used to put like a hundred song, uh, hundred songs. <laughs> totally. Like so, how many will fit yeah, on that here? That was the Great. first like. It was our more. first uh, long playing, whatever long playing in the '90s record means. So um, right, right, which is to say that it, there was it, well, and also like the songs for the most part weren't necessarily you know epic length too, so you could you could fit you know quite a few more of them. But um, you know that's the one that they uh, you know, you know there, there was uh, um, it, it kind of had the the Richard Powers looking uh, cover. Yeah, it's not a Richard Powers looking. It's actually a Richard Powers. Oh. Cover that, uh, Art Chantry the um, uh, got to use that from his uh, estate. Um, Art Chantry's a, a really amazing. Like, if you know much about graphic design, you know who he is. Um, I've heard the name from yeah. Seattle. Um, who's just uh, he's he's just such a purveyor of amazing arcane knowledge and weird stuff i mean he he's really one of those people that early on just kind of helped lead us to be like kind of cooler than we ever would have been without some of those elder statesmen and uh he was definitely a big person kind of in that vein and um getting that richard powers cover for to be our first record like if you don't know richard powers i'll just explain it's like surrealistic where the the any kind of human or alien figures kind of like this wispy ghost like form where um and everything's kind of it's surrealistic but like you know there are elements that it's not like as even um tangible as say like a salvador dolly kind of thing but it's like but there's a look it's so it, striking sure. it's, yeah i mean it's so distinct and if you look up his artwork like any of those old ace or ballantine books that he did there's just it's so he did thousands and um they're so distinct and beautiful um and there's actually a really great book that has a lot you know i think it's maybe just called the art of richard powers but if you're a fan of sci-fi art i and don't know who he is check him out yeah, and, and it's something. Well, and, and the reason why I bring up the, the cover specifically too is because uh, for me, I was the thing that was that was what drew me to it because I was a big sci-fi nerd. Like I was, I was big on you know pick up the <laughs> pick pick up the sci-fi books at the at the store that you know they have the porn over there, and then here's the the pulp sci-fi and and whatever. Uh, so for, when I right. first saw the record, I was like, oh wow, that looks like one of those books. That's awesome. I wonder what that sounds like. And, right. Uh, so wait, it, you, I'm sorry, I. I 
you're it cut out for a second. You said you would go to the porn section first and then go <laughs> to sci-fi. <laughs> I wasn't allowed in the porn. I wasn't old enough to be in the porn section. And I'm certainly not going to get my dad to, hey, dad, can you take me to the porn area of the bookstore? Well, sure, son. You know, actually, you probably would have now that I say it aloud, but. Something weird video, which was like uh, put out a lot of like weird, crazy B movie videotapes in the the early '90s. Used to have one uh, in their catalog called "Wham Bam Thank You Spaceman," and uh, it was kind of like this like weird alien sci-fi porn where the aliens were these short little kind of um, almost like this island Earth, kind of like the 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 metaluna guys in there and yeah. um and that had these long tongues or appendages that would come out and like it's the kind of thing where you watch for t- 10 minutes you're like who this is like who would think this is sexy or interesting <laughs> at all like and i just think about like, a niche interest boy let me tell you <laughs> you know peanut butter and chocolate yes but porn and sci-fi let's stay away from it yeah let's uh guys maybe maybe not so much but yeah Yeah. i I think the idea was like here here's we're just gonna have this be a clearinghouse of all the deviant stuff and uh you know you can find yeah i mean to be fair that's where i got my first that's where i got my first copy of like dune some robert heinlein stuff i mean there's some good stuff there right hey can we go back to the sex thing for a second (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure of course anything you want brand i just want i just thought of this and i really haven't thought about this in a long time but we used to have an apple IIe oh yeah computer yeah. Oh, yeah. in the early 80s at and uh one of my father's co-workers had put like these discs that had a ton of different those kind of like you know adventure games where you like do you want to do this and uh and you say yes i'd like to go to the right corridor and um, there was one called Sex Trek, and it had, uh, and it was just a text-based game that was like, and it was literally, but, but I was so excited about it, and then it was like getting on the computer, and it said stuff like, "Would you like to have sex with Lieutenant Yahura?" And you'd go, "Yes, yes, I would like to have sex with." <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Uhura, and it'd be like, "Do you want to remove her uh, Enterprise um, issued, uh, you know, uniform?" And it's just like, "Good God!" After like three minutes, you're like, "This this might as well be a typing course." <laughs> but I don't know. I need to get. I need to try to find an Apple IIe and get a copy of that. Uh, I yeah. really do. Sounds I'm like a that, sounds that, like a real winner. Yeah. That would you brush up on your typing, yeah, exactly. Right, get, get your for words sure. per minute up. <laughs> okay, we can get off the sci-fi sex thing now. Um. <laughs> so, th- th- so all right, you you came out as out, out of the gate. Everybody had their their nom de rocks uh, pointed out. Uh-huh. Was, was was that something that was sort of like, hey, let's embrace this. Uh, full ethos and you know we'll we'll have these sort of uh superhero style monikers that we'll attach to ourselves was there a specific reason other than it's fun or we just hated a lot of bands um <laughs> like uh, uh, i mean like we just we never thought the band would last more than a year and we just didn't like bands that were serious um like 
you know, I, I just said this somewhere. I think uh, Mojo just did a little review of our first record or something. So I'm, I'm like saying the same thing twice, but it's really true. Like it felt like, um, uh, like everything in that, the, the nineties was about guys singing with that overbite, yeah. like uh, about how the, their dad didn't come see them play a T-ball game. Why and didn't like, you bring like, the meta? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Sitting on top of this machine. I always do that when I don't know what it means. But I just like saying sitting on top of this machine. Uh, but anyway, um, point being is like we just didn't want to be that thing. So we really were looking for something that was not that. So I, I think we maybe were more influenced by like Everclear than we were, say, you know, like Dick Dale. Which is which is to say just in, just in a like to do just yeah. in a just in a like let's run away from it kind of <laughs> right, way right 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 so well, well and the reason why I bring that up is because and well, well getting back to the getting back to the name thing yeah um uh we thought we were gonna change them on every record and just never want people to know our real names and we really kind of kept that pretty bottled up for a long time but uh but we had a I think like. We switched early on at one point, but mine was bird stuff because, which is kind of like if I knew I was going to be, you know, in my <laughs> mid 40s and be at a record store and like have someone say, hey, bird stuff, what's up? I like might have thought about it might a little thought, more. Thought about it twice, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but in the, in the late 70s, you know, a lot of people just even in like regular, Ours had CB radios, and people would have a CB radio yeah, your handle. handle. Yeah, your your CB radio. Handle. Yeah. So, yeah, and my mom had a Pontiac Firebird that she used to uh, do carpool to school in, and but occasionally, like we would be out, and uh, my mom's handle was Wonder Woman, and, but nice. my uncle's was Bird Stuff, and it'd be like I just always had this thing in my mind of like. Um, Bird stuff calling Wonder Woman. Come in, Wonder Woman. Yeah, breaker, breaker, one nine. <laughs> so we were just trying to think of like yeah. <laughs> We were like thinking of stupid names to go by. Right. And I was like, I'm going to be like what my uncle was on the CB in the 70s. Wow. So, 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 so yeah, that, that's, that's the origin. That's, okay, interesting. That's, that's the origin. That really is. That's the real truth. I don't think I've ever said that before. It's a Protonic Reversal exclusive. It's ex- Thank it's, you. It's, it's an exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> Well, and the reason why um, I asked so is because yeah. it was very clear in the liner notes, you just said the record uh, that like, you're like, these guys, oh man, like, you know, like, I remember the uh, Star Crunch, uh, it's, it's something like, um, you know, guitar and rare obligatory vocals, if I remember correctly, uh, which I thought right. was, which I thought was freaking hilarious because I was like, oh, these guys are, this is a product for me. Awesome. Right. And yeah, Coco I mean, had like 17 credits and I think yours just said hi-hat. If I remember correctly, it's, it's like real, uh, like real. Sparse. Yeah, I like not enough people focus on the hi hat. The hi hat gets more love. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we just always had fun with lighter notes because, like, yeah. uh, they were fun to write, and we obviously we didn't have to give any factual information on them, and it kind of like became um, just like you know like it wasn't like a purposeful disinformation campaign but we're just like it's you know and our, actually our home address was always on there where we lived together uh in auburn alabama and i think for a long time after we moved away 
those people were still getting <laughs> weird mail <laughs> to that apart to that apartment. <laughs> because like honestly, if you still get a Manor Asterman record like off eBay or something from the early nineties, still got that address on it, yeah. that home address. So I think it uh, yeah. Hopefully maybe they still get something like once in the every ten years. It's like on Spiderland how it's it's got a um the, right, the, the, right, the yeah, parents' exactly. address on there, and says interested female vocalist, exactly. please send mail, and it's still they're still it's like oh yeah, we still get those, we still get that mail. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, for sure, that's the way you did it. And you know, um, I remember uh, there was one point where I mean, the one thing I do love about this age where people can kind of bypass a lot of the middlemen of like kind of. Uh, people that hold the keys or what do you, what do you call it? Like gatekeepers, gatekeepers of the yeah. music industry. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, and you can just make a lot of things happen. I mean, there's so much, so many more bands and things out there, but like there was one point where we were always the band that worked extra hard to like, Hey, be sure to sign our mailing list, sign our mailing list and we'll give you space dust and this kind of yeah. stuff. But there's one <laughs> the, point the, where we had 10,000. Yeah. I, I had some of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was you mean space dust, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. space dust. I mean, sorry. Okay, okay, right. Um, so uh, we um, at one point we had ten thousand people on there, and I remember sending a postcard and going to the post office and like use scrapping all our money together to spend like twenty one hundred dollars or something, like sending out one postcard to people. Yeah. And now it's just like send, you know, it's like yeah, push, it's, push a it, button, hits really, every social media thing and like hits tens of thousands of people immediately. Yeah. I mean, that part of it, of like how things work these days is really cool, I think. But coming at it from the other side, like coming at it as a fan of you guys, like the, the level of attention to detail, the fact that you clearly had that that relationship between the fans of like it, it made you feel like you were in on something cool that that was happening. And again, I'm not saying it's cost effective, but I'm saying for it, it like I never missed right. one of your shows. I saw you guys I I'm you're up there with any band that I didn't tour with. I think I saw you guys I think I saw you guys <laughs> yeah. like that many times. I just kind of lost count at one point. And because it was because I knew I could just drag whoever with me to see your show and be like, look, you don't need to know anything about them. Come to the show, you'll have a good time. And inevitably they'd always come away buying a record or a t shirt, like that band was awesome. So it's it's the, the having well, that so, having that relationship with the fans of, of like, hey, I got a postcard from Man or Astro Man. That, I mean, that meant a lot. We were kind of like just a pestilence in the '90s. It was it was <laughs> it was really hard to avoid us. You know, we we were we were kind of the indie rock music world equivalent of like a '90s coronavirus, but with like <laughs> surf music. So. um but what? But I don't think we ever killed anybody. So we at least yes. were ethically a lot better. <laughs> I was going to let you run with um, that analogy before shooting holes in it. But yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, um, but you know, I had a lot of time in college to be honest. <laughs> um, like I, uh, I, um, Coco and Star Crunch were. Um, doing like really intense like it's a really good industrial design program at Auburn University and they were always like wrapped up in you know how to design a you know you know a clock for West Clock or you know like 
these kind of projects, but like I got really disillusioned with school there. And I was like the music director at the college radio station. So I spent several years just, um, uh, sorry, I'm getting a call. Um, it's, uh, it's my mom. I could add her own for a second. <laughs> if you need, if you need a doctor, I can. Yeah, uh, uh, no, I'll, 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 I'll let, I'll let. Okay, it go. right on, right on. Because uh, she's, it's just like, probably figuring out like, how are we going to, are we going to do Christmas in separate rooms? Or <sighs> yeah. You're going to be wearing a mask, right? Like, I know that's what it's about. So it would not, it wouldn't be super interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, basically, I was doing the band kind of like i don't know for lack of a better term like a band uh like maybe like a manager or fan club manager or something and like listening to records and putting them rotation so that became kind of like the last two years of my school until they got out of school um and that's kind of how that whole thing started and and we had we had friends like that were really talented artists in the art program there a guy named Stuart Ellis, Stuart E, who's maybe credited on some of the records, but he designed a lot of stuff. We were one of those bands that had stickers before we had songs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we just always, we always had we always had fun with that uh, that element of it. Um, I think as much as anything, I mean, especially at first when we were figuring out exactly what we were doing, you know, I think. You know, honestly, it takes a few years of getting your sea legs touring and, and like there's some really good bands that come out right out of the gate as being good live bands. But it's just a certain kind of uh, level of performance you get when you like have toured 200 days a year a few times. Right, right. And, and I think a lot of it we were just having – you know, fun with all that kind of stuff early on. And then we kind of got to be a decent little band from just touring endlessly. Um, and it kind of shifted where we were thinking a lot more about the recordings and the, you know, how, how we were playing. And plus, you know, the, the fun thing is when you were like 19 or 20 and this still happens to people, I would assume um, is like, you learn like, what a most right guitar is or what a you know like arp synthesizer is and you're taking in all this i mean it's much different in the realm of plugins probably but you're still having to like take all this in and like i said going back to like we were so fortunate to have a ton of people that were like for whatever reason clung on to us and wanted us to show us the light and we kind of you know, for lack of a, I mean, for like a real cheesy analogy, but we kind of got to stand on the um, shoulders of some weird pop culture uh, giants to to kind of carve a path for ourselves. Well, sure, and and you came in at a at a time where um, you know it's it was pre social media too, so it's you know that the entire process is different now and I, th- I think to some degree it's kind of easier to like learn the ropes if you're willing to but uh you know you, you guys came out with massive enthusiasm and, and like i'm just thinking about like all all the seven inches i had from you guys like all the different releases and things like oh that like the one you can um whatever make into a ufo and stuff like this fun stuff like that where it's it's 
there was no band that like touched you guys as far as that level of interaction between you know the person person getting the thing and at the show and uh, and the band that I can think of. If there is, I wasn't aware of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff I didn't even realize it. Like uh, you know, are forgotten about it, but. There's a really nice guy named uh, James Bennett that lives in Salt Lake City that has like a blog that Cole, it's like Manor Estramam ad nauseum. And it kind of has like all the different colors of the vinyl that were put out and all the like weird, like we actually, we had hatchets at one point. I can't, and I, I think I have one in an attic somewhere <laughs> right. uh, that I've been telling this guy, James, I've been telling him I've sent him one, but we had like, um, I, I, we only had nine hatchets. It's maybe the rarest thing. Um, I'm about to say something really weird. I'm kind of scared about it. Uh, but but like uh, we had nine hatchets, and then Star Crunch thought it was a really bad idea to sell hatchets at the show. <laughs> Basically, anything could become a Manor Astroman item right. if we would put some nice stickers and you know labeling on it. But I was really excited, and this—I've never told this either. But like, I was really, ex- I was really excited about going into the Walmart in Auburn, where we went to college, and sneaking in one of our hatchets and putting it with the Walmart hatchets. <laughs> <laughs> so someone just trying just, to buy a regular hatchet just, would come away with just a to be able to imagine. <laughs> Somebody's trying to find a skew code on this Manor Astroman hatchet at a Walmart. And I did it. I did it. I actually did it. So somebody, I mean, I don't know if somebody could buy it because there wasn't a skew code, but like, um, but yeah, there was actually a Manor Astroman hatchet in a Walmart at one point. Might still be there. Attentive listeners can go looking for it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, if you're a young band and looking uh, for some, you know, good, advice on a career path or how to do your band listen to this interview and don't do any of it do the opposite that (laughs) you do the exact opposite do like we did to everclear uh so getting getting back to to the first record did you did you ever think when you were making that that you'd be playing nitrous burnout like all these years later like were were you thinking about in terms of of this being something that you could be doing far later on or would it seem ephemeral at the time no, definitely not. We were just being weird and having fun and, 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 um, you know, filling time and in, in college. And honestly, that was like, you know, there's different levels of when you're in a like band that lasts a long time of, of, um, of what you get excited about and sure. still, uh, like, you know, it, it, it was exciting. Like when we were at a, point for whatever weirdo reason like where we would sell out the Fillmore in san francisco or do two nights at irving plaza or like which just weird inexplicable stuff that we had worked to where we got to that point for a small band for a small weird band but at the beginning but that's that none of that stuff um touches like like hearing our seven inch on a college radio station for the first time right? Yeah. or putting together a weird, cool show at a bowling alley in our town and like putting up flyers all week. Cause you're really excited about it. I actually got, I actually got suspended from Auburn university for putting up too many posters. Really? <laughs> I, it was against I put some... them up. 
some some rule or something that you're doing that? Well, uh, yeah, it, it, but the the I did like 15 in a row going up a light pole, and I had to go to student court where the these doofus like frat guys were like thinking what to do and i was like what are you going to suspend me from college i'm already not going to class you know (laughs) oh you're just cutting into my flattery time (laughs) yeah exactly exactly but yeah it was no i had i think i had to pay like a 400 fine or something but that that's a lot of that's a lot of 1992 money right there though I mean, it's a lot of 2020 money, truth be told, right now. But yeah, it's definitely yeah, well, back then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. 2019, it's peanuts, but 2020, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's serious bread. That's good. That's going to be a, a, what a third of your stimulus. That uh... <laughs> exactly right. Um, I think we should. I think if do you put headers on these as like the title of the episodes? Uh, no. Do you think I, I should? can't remember? I mean, I, I well, I think I this one, you know, since we've been talking about fact signals and yeah. everything, like, uh, I think it should just be called OK Boomer and then in parentheses in space. <laughs> I was I was thinking Criterion Edition Armageddon, uh, but maybe that, that okay. might work or, too. Yeah, either one, whatever you want to go with. You got two solid choices there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're workshopping it here. We're, do, we're going through the process. <laughs> um, no, yeah. So, yeah, I guess we, yeah. But if yeah, if you want to talk about yeah, just, the band for like five minutes, talk yeah, de- about the band. <laughs> Destroy all Astromen. Tell me about that because that's the one that you have the um, well, it's 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 awesome EP first of all, and but also it's got that version of the MST3K love theme, which is which was big oh, deal, yeah, big yeah. deal. Yeah, that was always so fun, and we would play it um, early on. Um, those guys were based out of Minnesota, and they would come to our shows there. Um, and we we're like, hey, we're gonna cover your theme song. And they're like, you should do it, and um, and so it just kind of became a staple. And a lot of people thought we played the 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 song to the show, but we didn't. We just covered it. Um, but occasionally in L.A., when Joel was living there, uh, he would come on stage and sing it with us. That's so awesome. And he's such a nice guy, yeah. but he does not know the words to his own theme song. <laughs> Well, he's probably not listening to it, I'm sure. Yeah, but multiple times we wrote him out for him, and he was like, "In the not too distant uh, next Sunday in the future, we were." Was he like next crow. Sunday AD? Why would you? What? Yeah, that yeah, make yeah. Sense. yeah. I was like, he was forgetting the robots' names, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> and it's really like Coco was like whispering the words into his ear. At one show, and I thought this is great. This is great because that that's that show is so brilliant, such an indelible part. Yeah, yeah. again of uh, that that era. Um, but I love that he didn't know the words to his own song. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Because yeah, I feel like the whole MST3K crowd and the Manor Asherman crowd was basically a Venn diagram that was a circle. Uh, and I say that as someone that was in that Venn diagram. Like I feel like that was yeah, like a, but, a natural thing, but maybe that was just coming at it from the perspective of being a uh, a, a young man of, of certain interest. You know, those things don't all of, always follow suit, though, because um, we I think we did a few shows. I can't remember how many, but we did some shows with They Might Be Giants. Yeah, and we're like, this is going to be so cool. They're like a bigger band, and like their crowd will like us because we're nerds. They're nerds. And they did not like us at all, their their audience. 
<laughs> what, and, what, uh, interesting. So what what was what was the reaction? Were they was it were they hostile or were they just like indifferent or what was the what was the scene? I think we were like a little too energetic and punk and weird. Yeah. Like they, I think they weren't used to like people jumping out in the crowd and playing fast or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but like we definitely were. It did. It, it kind of was definitely a lead balloon. They wanted more and, accordion um, and wordplay rather than crowd interaction. Yeah. Well, I also noticed that there's a certain segment of their audience that just comes to hear uh, Istanbul, not Constantinople, and Particle Man. <sighs> yeah. So, like, half of their crowd doesn't even want to hear the rest of their songs. And I really like that band a lot. And what they've done with all the kids' records is, is brilliant. So, And they were super nice to us. But uh, but their crowd was like, oh, my God, what what is this? Why did they choose these guys? Which I kind of like because I was really excited about it. And then their crowd hated us, which I kind of like weird stuff like that. Yeah, and that's tough Kinda because because like you like to think that you know there would be some overlap there, right? But I think we I think we just weren't like this American life enough for them. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying when you say that. By the way, that's yeah, hilarious. right. It makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. <laughs> well, because yeah, I mean, because there, there is a bit you know that you you guys come from the world of even though it's surf music, you know, you're playing with kind of these these bands that are I guess to their ears like more aggressive. You've got the. I mean, I was thinking about the fact that, like, you know, when you count things off, you do like the open hi hat. The it was like it's a, it's a forceful presentation. If you're, yeah, if you're sitting there expecting Istanbul, not Constantinople, maybe that's not exactly what you're looking for. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we just kind of came from a, um, a punk rock world and wanted to like put on really good shows and that were fun and exciting and occasionally dangerous, and. Um, so that was just kind of that was kind of part of it uh and i just sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and you know honestly like we have a great time with um uh this the folks that do the tiki fest in uh san diego that are like so nice and so cool we had such a fun time there um was it two years ago we played there but occasionally we'll get asked to play like these kind of surf garage festivals that are super retro and really fun all the people are cool it's super like mid-century and but we're get up there and kind of do our thing that doesn't quite fit in that package yeah you're from the 50s but the 2350s yeah (laughs) and i think like i've I've actually seen it before where people will like fly us out to do one of those and they're excited because they're like oh it's man or astroman and they're one of these kind of bands and then like we get there it's like and I could just see this, like, oh, it's not exactly what I, it's not the good times I thought it was going to be. Um, and, but we, I mean, we always do our best and we have really a lot of fun at those. Um, but sometimes I feel like, oh man, we're bumming these people out. Yeah. that And that's, but, but also you guys are, are being true to yourself too, right? Like you're not going to try to be like, oh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to be happy fifties, good time band for this show. I mean, that's not. Not really what you know, we, doing. we tried to, we, I think we had some, but we tried to do like, we just were terrible at all that stuff. We just like, didn't know how to do it. Like we try, like if I probably, if we could like have gold lame suits and all like move our guitars up and down at the same point. And I, we, I think we used to have certain songs where we kind of 
had some weird versions of that that yeah, were yeah. a little more robotic. Yeah, you had like the Devo kind of um, presentation. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, it, it worked and it fit the ethos. It didn't seem like it was like you know, oh look. But like we definitely don't. This I mean, besides Coco, none of us smile when we play. Like we're not gonna, you know. Sh- you know, it's not an eyes and teeth show. It's not like, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, if, if you had drama in high school, you know what that means. I know exactly um, what that means, yes. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, but like, we have so much fun, but I feel like sometimes those audiences are bummed out on us. And I sometimes feel like um, some of the real hardcore surf enthusiasts, like, don't really like our band. Um, or they're a little bummed out about us, or they'll like a certain era of our band. And like, we love surf music. I mean, that was like kind of how we started. And it was like, but also the thing I think a lot of those people don't take in consideration is, you know, like we would have friends like the shadowy men guys. Well, they're, they're not a good example, but like, um, like just any of these, these like kind of bands, not, not necessarily a Santa Phantom Surfers, like that, that they're great in a different way. But, you know, some bands that kind of do a really retro thing, but they are playing sometimes like 15 shows a year and they kind of have their thing. But for about an eight year period, we toured 250 days a year and we're putting out three records a year. So we just couldn't help but kind of evolve for better or worse because we were like, kind of doing you know and no slight to those bands because it is what it is but like we were kind of doing their career but for 50 years within an eight-year period yeah yeah as (laughs) like compressed time Uh, right does that yeah does that make sense i I totally get what you're saying absolutely we couldn't help but like like become interested in other things and we also just felt like we weren't really good at like pretending like it was 1962 <laughs> um, although we love like i love surf music so much and i love sure. sci-fi and it's just so because uh, honestly that retro futurism that was like i don't feel like really since then i mean maybe bits of the 80s but since then like there hasn't been where like people weren't thinking so dire and about the immediate present they were thinking about um the future like hey what's good what's it going to be like in 30 years like let's let's make it happen i think you're honest i don't um, think people think about the future that much at all and if they do they think about it in some prism of what's happened in the past or what's currently happening now and if anything or if it is nostalgia or something yeah or it's very gloomy and i understand that but there was Like, yeah, exactly. And, but at, in the early 60s and late 50s, there was this kind of optimism of what the future would hold. Sure. Yeah. Um, little did they know that all the, you know, plastics and, and, um, you know, <laughs> uh, all, like everything we were doing to the environment is kind of like maybe wasn't the smartest. But, you know, honestly, and I'm not, not giving people like a pass, but people, that, people honestly thought that, the it was hopeful system. in its way. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's it, yeah. That was that was created in '55, and they thought, hey, this is a way to connect everybody. Yeah, and you know, it was it was kind of the path of the future. You know, we played in Brazil a good bit, and there's a city there that's the capital that they just moved out 
in the middle of nowhere in Brazil in the early 60s called Brasilia. And it's so cool, 2001 looking and um, like uh, Louis Costa and um, Oscar Niemeyer architects like built this beautiful thing. Like you should look at, if you don't know it, look it up. But point being is um, it's so brutal. There's no trees. Everything's like, like futuristic brutalism concrete and uh hasn't aged well and it's just built for cars and it's kind of a brutal city because of that but at the time people really thought that was going to what was going to connect the world together and you know um you know kind of advance things and they're, they're, they're starting to really get some urban design that really was going in that path like there, there's a really cool film on youtube that's like the original vision that walt disney had for epcot oh yeah it's about crazy how, yeah i've seen that have you seen that it's yeah. like 17 minutes and like it's like the trucks go here and the city and there's like a retail section it's kind of based on that like um you know like Cabourcier kind of idea of like you know the radiant city where you have these different little sectors and a lot of that modern architecture like the international style really you know did not end up doing as well as is it, it you know it, there was a lot of flaws in it i guess is what i'm saying but point being is um regardless of the outcome it was really cool people were looking to a bright future you know and with an asterisk there that depends on Depends on if what you were the color a straight white man. Was, or, who, yeah, exactly. Who, who you, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of layers there. Sure, but sure. Like, yeah. But honestly, um, I feel like we kind of lost that. And I'm not sure if it's a good thing that we've lost it or if, um, if we need to get that back a little bit as a society and not really just via your Elon Musk of the world. Get that guy. Yeah, no, I, I think you're. I think you're onto something there. I don't think we're going to solve it on this show specifically, but I think it's something that wor- is worth thinking I, about. I, for I, sure. I, don't underestimate us. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite, quite the spread of material that, that, that we're uh, covering tonight, isn't it? No, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> come on, like we we can do this. Let's bring back we futurism, folks. Come on. Uh, also, I, I mean, uh, p- point of order. I also want to mention you mentioned hard sci-fi, which made me think of the Martin Starr character in Party Down. Uh, uh, sorry, Hard Surf, where he, oh, he's right. only into hard sci-fi. Uh, I fucked that up. Sorry. That uh, was <laughs> where you get the people that I'm only into hard surf. <laughs> oh right, right, right. You know, there's another sci-fi moment where, like, um, gosh, I'm gonna mess it up, and I had it in my head for a second, but. I, I, I love the first season of that. So. There's only two seasons, right? Just the two seasons, yeah. And the first season is brilliant. The second season is has some really good episodes. But there's one thing where, like, uh, he's um, Ron, the team leader guy, right? Yeah, that's uh, the, um... he's doing a Yoda impression. <laughs> but he's kind of he's like uh, moving like I actually I think I am getting it right. He's kind of moving like C-3PO, and he goes, <laughs> you are incorrect, young Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. fact that they kind of, like, mixed, like, Yoda as a robot just <laughs> killed me. It was like a um, wrong answers show, only meme. show was so great. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that. I, I think I cited that show as a primary influence for an old band. Uh, it's, it's uh, I think, kind of a hidden gem. Uh, the other right. thing I wanted to say right. is there was a something going around uh, today, even I saw on the internet, that was a... 
songs that you were kind of ashamed to admit you didn't know were covers. And uh, you guys have one of those that I didn't know Destin- Destination Venus was a Brazillo's cover for like years. I only knew your version. Yeah. Um, yeah. That band is so good. And they those, are. Like, they're, they're just fantastic. They're like, and the original version is far better than ours. It's great. It's like, and it's actually like, we just, there's one part that we felt when we were younger, we should probably start playing it. Um, because they had a female vocalist, like John Kyle, they had, they had two vocalists, basically. One was a female and one was a male voice. And, um, and there's a part in destination Venus that kind of has this like kind of boogie rock breakdown where it's like, and we were like, eh, that's kind of like goofy and fluff. And like, let's just not play that part. Cause it's only about, it's only like eight, eight or 12 bars. Yeah. Or something. There's not that much so of we, it. Yeah. Right. So we just left that out of our version of the song. And, um, and, and I always felt like we chumped out kind of by not doing that part, but I think we would have done it in a corny way. So maybe it was a smart decision. I just felt like it was an aesthetic decision, which it sounds like it was. Which sort of like, oh, that you know, yeah, that doesn't yeah. fit the vision of what you guys were doing. And also, that made it something where when I actually or did lazy this, decision, <laughs> lethargy. Yeah. Well, when when they listened back to the original, I was like, oh, cool. There's this whole other thing here that I, you know, that's it. It, it actually, I thought that was that led weight to it being cool to me personally. Right. Which, is, which is why you did everything in Manor Astro Man is how did Kona Neutron feel about it, I'm sure. But the uh, so that's the that's on the Your Weight on the Moon, if I remember correctly. Uh, which, which yeah, is I think there's right? another, I think there's two versions of it that's and there's one on another record. It's definitely on Your Weight on the Moon, and then maybe it's on Just Real Astro Man 2. Like, there may be five people that may know that out there <laughs> I'm, and i'm gonna hear from all of them after this airs by the way uh right, <laughs> right. once it once it hits the, the podcast like actually it's and it'll be like two months later i'll be like i don't even know what you're talking about what what what's what is it yeah uh i did want to i'm like the only, i'm the only one by the way i'm the only one in the band that remembers anything and not because <laughs> we were doing drugs and and drinking uh, because like that band we always had like 500 billion things to put on stage right it was definitely like a more is more or less is a bore kind of band and um but coco you could go up to him i feel like i may have exaggerated over this years but i think like um one of his relatives in philly came out to see us one time and he didn't remember who they were (laughs) <laughs> and he, he was like, oh, thanks for, so much for coming out to the show. You know, you guys live around here. <laughs> and wow. we're like, hey, hey, that's your cousin, man. And um, <laughs> but like, you know, it, it'll be like, hey, you remember that? Remember Shank Hall that time in 95 where yeah. like we spilt all that stuff because there was carpet in the venue and there was a guy vacuuming before we got there. And, you know, this guy was in the front row and they're like, what are you talking about? So I was always kind of the remember. i'm the last remain <laughs> yeah i'm kind of like you know you know cannibal for Leibowitz, right that book yeah 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 do you know the book where the with the monastery and they're keeping it's like a post-apocalyptic world where they're trying to keep what bits of history you know they can and it, you know anyway it's a great book but like i feel like that's where i am in, in <laughs> for manor man 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 man. esoteria <laughs> 
and I'm the only one that's played every show. By the way, yeah, I'm like the only member that's ever played every show. So like, I, but you know, I haven't gotten anything for it. It's, I don't believe there's an award for that yet that I'm aware of. Uh, and yeah. I, and I actually do really want to talk about the, the the clone tour as well. But you you brought the bringing stuff, uh, like the non rock and roll stuff with that reminded me of the uh, the TVs. Uh, like having, having the TV, oh, right. <laughs> the TVs along, which is something that you don't, most bands don't have like TVs as a Gutramon. Yeah. You know, actually like we wanted to do that, but we didn't have a lot of um, surplus income early on. So we were kind of like trying to borrow friends TVs. <laughs> like when we go do shows before we were like touring, touring and our very first show ever i think was at a place called club 312 in birmingham alabama and my and it's where like we grew up originally and my we stopped at my folks on the way to this show and i was like hey can i borrow your, you guys like wood grain big console tv so we can put a guitar <laughs> amp on it and i don't know why but my dad let us do it but star crunch like bumped into it with his guitar and broke like the on button and it was like to turn it off um my dad would have to unplug it and he didn't ever replace it for years for for years he had to like watch tv by like either plugging it in or unplugging it and i still hear about that sometimes i I would imagine that would that would uh yeah that would be a a topic of concern for some years to come after i know i'm like dad let it go like 27 years ago. <laughs> well, and that also reminds me of the, you know, we, we haven't talked about the, you know, the samples and sort of like the, the, like the 60s sci-fi samples and things like that. Did, did that like drive compositions at all? Or was it more like, hey, let's seek out something that fits the vibe of what we're trying to do here? Or was it a bit of column A, a bit of column B, any of those things? You know, honestly, it was it was like uh, this is a real boring answer, but I'll tell you the truth is it was kind of a um, a functional thing. And I think it actually ended up being smarter than we are normally smart is, um, you know, playing playing in a surf idiom. There is a tendency, you know, there's a lot of, you know, songs that are in E and, blah, 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 you know, you know, this yeah. is the thing, right? songs are short you want to differentiate you know. it somehow you want you want it to yeah it's yeah. a very stylistic thing where that doesn't veer away from itself too much and we were realizing like it just sounds like to the to these people and when there wasn't tons of bands doing it um that they're hearing the same song like 22 times and it was a way that we kind of figured out that um that people would kind of know like, Oh, this is the beginning of like a song called invasion of the dragon man or whatever, (laughs) because they know the sample (laughs) more than the song. Yeah. And also, also it kind of um, served the function of it gave us a, like, you know, uh, however long the sample is running of a chance to like tune our guitars or catch your breath or fix a thing that has gone haywire. Oh no, no, no. We never, (laughs) we never needed to catch our breath (laughs) until like 2010. Uh, But, and then we got oxygen like mass, you know, we're getting the oxygen in between. Yeah. It works with the stick. um, (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, so it actually like works really well for both those functions. Um, And it was, 
fun and also horrible doing it. Um, You know, it would be like, you know, um, and Coco did most of it where it was like, hey, are you sure there wasn't like, hey, can you watch it conquer the world like one more time? I know there was one line I remember in there that would be great. And so like he would watch like 40 hours of B movies to get like a 10 second intro for a record or whatever. So he, he really put some time in on those. But it worked because they almost would work as if they were like vocal hooks or something in a different band. Like if it was, they were so like, in, in most, you know, in a lot of cases, they were very bombastic or, or just kind of especially contextless, just really kind of abrupt. And it led to, as you're saying, like that thing that, okay, you know that, you know, Oh, uh, it's that one where they they do the you know da na 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 like that thing. Okay, cool. And well, you know how like uh, like like a '90s um, like hip hop record. Like if you listen to like a Snoop or a Dr. Dre record, yeah, there's always the songs that have the phone call at the beginning. The skits, like, yeah, we talk about the skits all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, where you just like do the call and they are not there and you have to wait for them. And like, yo, tell them I need to. And like that was kind of. That was our version of the like the '90s like phone call intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nice. seriously, you know, also like we there was like just a rare, and I think this is something that just came out in the little Mojo article. But when it, it was just one of those little one-page buried treasures piece they did, but I mentioned there was like three records that really shaped how we did that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't very like what you would think probably Man or Astro Man like is listening to to be influenced by. But we loved that De La Soul Three Feet High and Rising record. record. Yeah, it's really brilliant the way it uses samples. And then we were also listening to that uh, that Burn and Eno record, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, that has all like the weird evangelical preachers on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but and I think uh, that record didn't come out in '89, but I think Three Feet High and Rising came out in '89. But the one that's really like the formula that we kind of, you know, borrowed from and kind of, ex- you know, um, expanded it upon eventually. But like, there's a song by this British band called the ja- the Jazz Butcher mm-hmm. called "Do the Bu- Bubonic Plague," <laughs> and if you listen to it, you'll be like. <laughs> Whoa, Manor Astro Man totally ripped off how they do their thing from this song. So go listen to it and and like lose some respect for us. <laughs> Fair sounds sounds good. So the yeah the it's called Do the Bu- Bubonic Plague is the name of the record. Yeah, okay. yeah, and it doesn't sound like it's not super surfy, but when you re- listen to it, you're like, oh duh! I thought these guys were smarter than they were, but I see where this came from. Like, do bands normally do this? Like, some make, of them do. Like, so, some of, some of them are really they they keep that stuff close to the vest and like you know good on them for doing. No, that, no, no. I'm not but... talking about being candid. I'm talking about kind of unselling the product. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Maybe not so explicitly. I'm trying to think. It's happened. It's yeah. happened. You're not the first person right, okay. to do it, but you know. Good. I, I we don't ever want to be first at anything, and obviously we weren't, weren't with that sample thing. So uh, the, ne- the we're we're only to ninety five by the way. Project Infinity was was the uh, next record, and around that same time is is about when Servertron started, uh, if I remember oh, right. correctly. 
Uh, am I, is my timeline yeah, messed up here? I, I think so. Yeah, pr- right around there. Ninety in ninety-five, probably. I think is correct. Uh, do you, can you speak a little bit to the formation of that band, which is a band that kind of the legend has grown? I think <laughs> since, since really, since, 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 yeah. Wow, the, the people that know know, know, man. People that know know. Um, it was kind of you know, it was like um, Dexter X, who was in Manor Astro Man, who was like a touring member of Manor Astro Man. Yeah, I saw I saw him with you guys when, a couple times. Yeah, right. He was great, and um, and uh, but we had some spare time. We were both living in Athens, Georgia at the time. Um in between when man or astro man like star crunch would kind of write a lot of songs and work on them and then we would have this kind of spare time of um you know to go do stuff so that was kind of like our side project and um we were just we you know we were listening to a lot of new wave music at the time and we're kind of like we should make it look really robotic and then we were like uh hey why don't we actually be robot <laughs> Yeah, like almost like small and wonder, like, but with attitudes, uh, sort of well, style. Well, no, with, but like with like spray painted like yeah. catchers vest and like like brutalist like, small wonder. I yeah. think at one point I had like a <laughs> like a uh, like a bike spoke like beeping light for a heart and stuff. It was like real crappy cost like well you know robot outfits. I think got better. I think well they would start good at the beginning of a tour and then kind of fall apart as we would go. Right. Um, one of my favorite memories of that band is there was a point when like, you know, bands kind of sometimes are on the way up and on the way down. And we played at the mermaid lounge in, um, new Orleans. Mm-hmm. And this must've been late night. Dave Perner from soul asylum was kind of way on the way down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he, for some reason, the bill was, at this tiny little bar in New Orleans was Dave Perner from Soul Asylum and Servatron. And I remember talking to him wow. and, and like we had, uh, there were some, you know, kids there to see us, which was cool, but it was obvious like there was a, a good faction of the audience. And he's like, um, and he's like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter to me if you guys want to, it's like, we usually just honestly like to play first. Like we're not really a, like, play second or headline kind of band and he's like but i will tell you and i remember telling him this we're robots <laughs> and he was like like uh, like what do you mean like this like keyboards or it's like no we're robots we're actual robots <laughs> <laughs> and then it got kind of bad because there's like some like snotty punky kids that were like servitron fans that were like I was just like heckling them during Runaway Train, and I was like, "It's like, come on, guys. Yeah, that's not cool. Let's let's let him let's let him miss Winona as respectfully as we can." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's it. So, how did you know? Did you how did you know Hayden from uh, from Supernova? Was that just from touring and from being a band? Or right? Yeah, no. The Supernova played Atlanta um, a bit, and I, I really liked the band, and they were good. Like after he wasn't in the band, but they were the best early on when he was in the band. Um, it was just so simple, and they had their thing down, and they'd play like these twenty-minute shows. And you know, it was kind of like, duh, it's like another cool band from outer space. Like, yeah, kind of <laughs> seems natural. Right? And I think he had parted ways with them, 
and we had been talking about doing a split seven inch or something. And then um, he came out and, and, and was a touring member for a while. And then we did Servitron for however many years. I think we put, like, we only put out, no, yeah, we put out two proper full length records. Uh, I think one was, one was on AMRAP and then one was on Lookout. Yeah, yeah, as you say, well, th- yeah, that 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 tracks, and then there's a bunch of like stuff and compilations and like singles and and you know things along those lines. But but if 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 people haven't heard that band, it's basically like um, the music's real, like Missing Persons meets Devo, and meet meets the third part of it is one of those restaurants where you pay the waiters to insult you. <laughs> like that was like the formula that's basically right. the formula of the right. band we would just berate the audience um and you know, we got in a few fights with the audience it was like kind of got aggressive like there's occasionally be rednecks that didn't know how to take it right well it was it was confrontational if you come at it from a certain perspective i suppose but i mean to me that yeah, kind of part, we were, of, part of the thing we were really good at that and i you know honestly like since i'm kind of giving up you know everything here like there there would be definitely nights before we would like kind of change into the robot stuff where we kind of scan the crowd and like (laughs) see like oh god this guy's wearing a lamb of god shirt he's gonna be easy and uh and uh no no, no offense to lamb of god but like um, next week lamb of god (laughs) yeah uh but uh so anyway yeah, we got kind of good at it, and we we did have an advantage with hecklers, and it's an advantage that every band has, but they don't realize it, and that there are usually one drunk person yelling at us, and we're four people that do it every night right. and have loud <laughs> microphones. Right, exactly, yeah. So it's not really a fair playing field, but most bands just don't realize they have that power. Yeah, it all but depends on there. if you choose to exercise it, I suppose, right? And it's it, there for the taking. Yeah. When you have all Use these it. songs about uh, you know, robot domination, human extinction, you might as well uh lean into it. Yeah, but yeah, that was basically the theme is like uh I can sum up the the and I wrote this lyric it's, it's like the probably the thing I'm most proud of in my music music career, um, that kind of sums up the entirety of that band. And um and here, here's the line. Can I say it? Please. Okay. It goes, um, today is your birthday. We are going to kill you. <laughs> I was going to, I was hoping to be bad birthday. I love that's a, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a modern a, classic. That's, that kind of is like the, the theme of the band. <laughs> We're going to kill you on your birthday. I think about that song every birthday, by the way. <laughs> Good. It should, it should be a staple if they should play it right after happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's way better. Kind of give you like the mixed message. Yeah, it's, it's way better. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't get too comfortable. <laughs> right, right. Robots are coming. And you know, that band may end up being prophetic. Yeah, as it turns out. Like, yeah, I hope it is. Like, you know, we plotted a lot of, a lot of uh, destruction for the human race in that band. Um, so in, in a lot of clever ways, there's a lot of ways in the lyrics that we kill off humanity. Yeah. Uh, a, a wide variety of techniques. I know it's, 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 you really explore the material. It's, it was, it was quite impressive. Yeah. The commitment yeah. to the bit. We went deep. We went deep. <laughs> <You> went deep. <laughs> uh, all right. So meanwhile, man or Astro man, you got project infinity. That's got that excellent, uh, uh pixies B side. 
uh, that you guys did the cover of. It shows up in the live album. Uh, yeah. Too. Yeah. Oh, I have a funny pixie story, but I, 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 yeah, just go on. I, 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 now I'm realizing this is a chronological thing, and we've got like a lot more years. Yeah, go, it, so I mean, it, it's a chronological in the fact that we'll get to what we can get to for sure. And there's certain records I definitely want to get to on the Man Rational Man Pantheon that I'm, I, I might, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff, but it, it's not strictly but chronological. We, we, Don't worry about we it. Did, we did a college radio interview. I'll just tell a quick version. We did a college radio interview on the radio station. I was the music director with Frank Black when it. Uh, probably like six months before his first solo record came yeah. out, um, and I like that record a lot. That first, uh, that, yeah, that, 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 those first. Actually, I like those first two records both quite a bit. I think they're really good. Right, right, and then um, it's too bad he never made any after that, huh? Well, you know, I, like I like it. I, I like the Pixies. I like their career. <laughs> they're like I like a lot of bits of his career, um, and um, but point being is. We had just had a seven inch, our first seven inch ever that we're so proud of called Possession by Remote Control come out. Yep. And I was like, I was like, for like two weeks, I'm like, I'm going to give this to Frank Black. I'm going to give this to Frank Black. He's the dude from the Pixies. I can't wait. And so, I, like, it gets there. We, we're doing the interview and we made him food. And uh, we, uh, Carl, who's Bookman, who was one of our uh, first roadies, in fact, we were trying to make him the, the, world's most famous roadie um but he made him this heaping portion of of uh of um like baked beans and man he loved those beans but like when i get went around to give him the possession by remote control seven inch he's like well i don't really have a record player that's working right now so why don't you just keep it and i was like man and looking back now that's such a bummer like to like like even if you're never going to play yeah, it, just take the damn record, away. Frank Black. Come when you on, get back man. to the Hampton Inn and you're just going to chunk it or whatever, yeah. like take it because that was really kind of crushing. And then fast forward, it was like to like '98 or '99, and things have changed. And we were playing Lupos, like a bigger club. I mean, not a huge club, but like a thousand cap or something in Providence, Rhode Island. And he was playing the smaller room. And I wanted to go be like, hey, I still want to give you that seven. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll allow time later. That's awesome. Right, right. So uh, anyway, that's that's. that's Did he take it that time or is he, was he? But I love his career and I love like, you know, all the pixie stuff. Um, so I'm not trying to disparage him as a like musician, but it just he didn't take our seven inch and it's it's kind of you know, it, I, I, it's kind drag. of made, put a void void in my heart ever since. Yeah, that's that's kind of a drag. That's kind of a drag. Uh, so, right, what 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 record is it? So, Experiment Zero, the first one that you did for oh, right. on Touch and Go. Uh, so right, it starts with the speaker phasing test. Like it's you know, it's got that Talking Heads cover. That's great. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit about that uh, yeah. record. That time of the band, it's like '96, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, that was the first record we did with Touch and Go. And, you know, honestly, like, um, the reason we were with us, you know, a lot of people kind of think we're bummed that we left Esther's Records, which this really awesome guy, Dave Kreider, runs. It has put up so many cool, like, garage and punk and surf records in, in that uh, time period. And uh, just such a cool label, same aesthetic as like doing lots of cool merch and everything. 
But it's the, the reason problem, I know, I know uh, Bellingham is just because yeah, of Estrus. Uh, yeah, I mean, and he put on Garage Shock, which yeah. is like some of our funnest shows the ever. 3D. It was a really good camaraderie with that label and a healthy competition with the band. I mean, it was like everything you'd want out of a cool punk rock label. And, um, and Dave really helped us out so much. But the problem was we were just these dumb kids from Alabama that were excited about seeing the world. And um, Dave had a really good point about, um, you know, you guys aren't going to make as much money if you license these records to other territories. You're going to make more if we actually export them to there and people buy them from you know, the state's version. And that that was true. But the problem was we would get an offer to go do a tour of like Australia or somewhere. And they would say, but we need a new record um, for you guys to tour here. So there was like a three year period where we were, or a two year period, maybe where we were putting out three albums a year. Yeah, so we could very go to prolific. different countries. Yeah, I mean, there, there was, there was, a lot, and, there was a lot happening. And it just yeah. got, it got, it got kind of silly and touch and go was working with Southern and the UK and labels in other territories. And it's like, you know what? Like we just need, you know, we can't really quite agree with Dave on this, but he's got a very valid point, but we just need to um, have one record come out in all these places at the same time. And that's really the story. And God, I'm, Drive myself crazy. If, if you've made it this far in this listen, you're better than me because I'm getting really tired of my tangents. <laughs> but <Not> um, <laughs> I remember one of the most bummer days of my life was calling Dave and telling him we were going to do the next record with Touch and Go because, circle back, the guys in Operation uh, Reinformation were um, – in uh they live in pittsburgh which is where the mr rogers show was done andy from operation uh reinformation worked on uh the land of make-believe we had just been to the mr rogers show set and then i called dave from a payphone. so literally went from the land of make-believe to calling the guy that put out our first record and such an awesome oh, dude right yeah to tell him that we're putting the next record out with touch and go but it was just it was, it was just, I mean, Estrus is an amazing label. It's just a, a really a functionality of what we wanted to do with touring. But that was a bomber phone call. I remember. Yeah, I hated that's it. tough. That's that that can't that couldn't have been easy, especially when yeah, when someone that kind of stood up for you and when there wasn't really that much of a reason for. But it's you know again, you had to do what was right for the band too. You know, so. Yeah, and uh, and you know it was yeah for sure, and we we felt like it was the. You know, the, I mean, Touch and Go were such good people. And honestly, one of the best times of our, uh, you know, like just having so many people there that we loved because it was a fairly big, it was a really big staff for an independent record label in the 90s. Um, you know, there was probably at one point 20 people that worked there in a in a building on Ravenswood in Chicago. And um and there was probably like a five year period of my life where I would talk to somebody at touch and go every day about something with the band. And it was just kind of this, uh, I don't know. It, it was a moment where we were probably the most felt like we had this kind of extended family of people kind of around our band. So that was, that was a really great time for us with the touch and go records 
But yeah, the experiment zero we actually recorded in Alabama. Steve came down and did that at zero return, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, Steve, Steve Albini came down and recorded it in the studio that's like down a dirt road that we were recorded at in the middle of nowhere with like the front porch was like this guy Jim, who's a really great engineer. It's a super great, like kind of southern character that had all these great old school microphones um uh, and really cool tape machines uh he uh so it's like literally like going down this dirt road in the middle of nowhere in alabama to this house it's falling apart and um so we brought steve down to record there and um and i and jim is a really amazing guy but he's kind of the southern guy that's kind of really set in his ways and he would take in all these stray cats and the studio was set up. So there was like a live room and then you would have to go through the bathroom to get to the little control room, which was like, if somebody was deucing, you would have to like wait to hear your track back until, <laughs> and often kind of pick the right moment of like, okay, has it aired out enough? Like how bad do I want to hear this track? Um, and, uh, but there was another room that was kind of the living room that was behind the control room. And there were, there was like two chairs in there and like a TV with videotapes of every episode of the Simpsons. That's basically the room, but there's two places to sit like in the house. Yeah. And, um, and so Steve does the natural thing and comes down and sits in, uh, sits in a chair but jim takes all these stray cats that he loves right he's got one cat named caddy and, and that and steve sat in caddy's chair there's two chairs in the house to sit in so i remember steve getting there and jim going um uh steve you're in caddy's chair and steve <laughs> steve got on the floor and just sat down like a kid like the rest of us um which was great he just he went with this weirdo experience that we threw at him and we recorded it really quickly like just in a few days uh, we mixed it in chicago but like we recorded it in alabama really quickly did you so did, did you feel like the songs like did you, did you feel like uh, being on touch and go that you did that inform the process of those songs or was that just where you're at then and i only say that because you know touch and go it's there's so many awesome iconic bands from there but it's kind of like a bit harder edged maybe than like some of the stuff on estrus yeah i mean i i think like we got bass on that record like there, there's like there's like like a good thick kick drum sound and yeah. it's a great drum sound and you can hear the bass and it's it's got a, a good bite to it like so there was kind of a tiny bit of heaviness from just that but i think that was still when we were like tweaking like our version of this kind of weirdo like um surf music platform you know that we were really influenced by i think that's still kind of like the last record we were like kind of all in on that and uh and 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 i'm not saying we made that decision it was just where we were as musicians sure sure i mean you're not going to keep making the same that's what we were playing (laughs) we never got together as like hey let's make this record extra surfy or not surfy or weird or noisy or like we never had a plan um and it was kind of a record that was written like the first one uh where we kind of wrote it all together 
And so I think it's, I think that record for if you like Men or Ass Man is a pretty cohesive record, and it's kind of like the the you know the backside of a bookend of that that first era for us. But you know we mixed it in Chicago, and we were Steve and Star Crunch and I, which is Brian Causey. I don't care if people know real names or not, but I'll just I you call him either Brian or Star Crunch. Right, 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 right. At this point, like the like the internet exists, so so be it. Um, but uh, we were driving to Atlanta to make it to the airport to go mix the record, and there was a blizzard in Georgia, and. Uh, we couldn't make it all the way to the airport. We're going to have to rebook the flight and the roads were closed. And all there was, was this like skanky trucker hotel that had one room left. And, um, we had to stay in there that night, but the, uh, the heat was out and it was, it was like, 30 degrees in that room. It was so cold. I remember luckily there was a, there was a truck stop, you know, like 50 yards away. It was pretty close. And we went to go get some food because that's all there was around to get any sort of, you know, sustenance. And Steve was buying all these like roast beef, like mills, kind of like microwave mills and things. And I I was, you know, I told Brian, I was like, uh, why, like, why is he buying stuff? There's not a microwave back there. So we get back and and I guarantee you, Steve remembers the story. Um, uh, we get back to this one room, and Steve said, "Oh, these are chem activated mills where you like peel them and then shake them and they get hot." So we're going to get in this bed, and I'm going to like shake these like roast beef mills and things like that, and that's what's <laughs> going to heat us up. So yes, if you want to know how Men and Asher Man got to Chicago before a flight, we stayed at a skanky like you know like charged by the hour trucker hotel with star crunch myself and steve albini sleeping in an oversized bed together with like self-activating roast beef with salisbury steak for heat being activated yeah Yeah. (laughs) that that is a real thing that happened in on planet earth (laughs) yeah that happened on planet Earth. it's like not fiction yeah that's 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 the glamour stuff of being in a rock band right there (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, this it's all about the glamour though. Uh okay. So- uh, and then we mix it up we mix it up there at Steve's home studio before uh he was in electrical. Yeah, and, yeah. Um and it was great. It was it was yeah. We always have a good time uh working with Steve, even when he makes fun of us or is mean to us. No, he's never mean to us, but like um like uh Steve's really great at putting people in their place sometimes. <laughs> and I remember we recorded uh, our last record, which has been a while now, called DefCon Five Four Three Three One, in Chicago. <laughs> and uh, and you know, there's that whole thing of how we kind of evolved and adapted, like you've kind of mentioned it. But I forget what song it was, but we were like kind of listening back to this gu- guitar part, and we were saying like, I don't know, maybe it's a little too standard, or like. Maybe we should like, maybe we should replay it and dig in a little more. I don't know. We were kind of doing that whole studio thing. We were analyzing this guitar part, and Steve, Steve leans over and goes, like, I don't. And, oh no, we asked Steve, like, hey, what do you, what do you think of that? 
He goes, I don't know. It's just surf music, right? <laughs> and, uh, I know, it's, it, but it was so good. We had to appreciate it. We had to appreciate it. It's like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just surf music. This, this is the casual um, dismissiveness He, he was being facetious. Yeah, but, well, of course. But yeah, still, he, it's like. <sighs> yeah, he was being facetious. But there's always that time, those times where, like, Steve will, like, kind of, you know, I'll, I'll say this the records we've recorded with steve albini i don't have any regrets about and i can listen to all those records and i can't say that for all our records like because like this is this is kind of like the process and the way steve is we just were really economic a lot of time most of the time with how we did things and it just kind of made for a real for real genuine a real genuine sound for us at least so like i always feel like when we do record with steve it's going to be a record i can always listen to which is nice that that's a nice thing uh can you tell me a little bit about uh 1000x which is actually one of my favorite matter releases i like that ep quite a lot or 10 inch whatever you want to call it yeah um I think we had the idea for um, the vellum cover. cover. Yeah. Like we were thinking like, let's do like kind of a science record or something. Yeah. I think we kind of had the imagery before we had the music. And then I think we recorded that. Like it was cold. It was in the middle of the winter and it's kind of a, it is kind of a very, to me, a very like science project, cold calculated sounding record. Um, with a lot of really cool sounds on it, I think um, there's a lot of weird, like um, lap still run through a ring modulator. Yeah. Some effects. weird sounds on there in a good way. I mean, yeah. Unorthodox, I should say not weird. Right. And you know, we were just trying different, uh, just different, different. We were just kind of experimenting a little bit. There's um, I think there's one song on there. That's just like, um, what's it called uh university yeah and it's star crunch playing bass and me playing drums and like that's it and then there's like the only guitar part on there is just like guitar scrape for like 10 seconds like let's have a guitar on there but only doing a like it, it was just the scrapes yeah <laughs> instead of just the solos uh, it's just the scrapes yeah yeah, and we kind of like had these ideas, I think, in a notebook, and we kind of were trying to stick to the concept of them. Um, and it kind of made for a real cool, distinct. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of vocals that like on that one. Tenet. That's that's uh, you know like kind of not just sound bites, but like more like vocally vocal uh, uh, bits. Right. On right. Yeah. Vocally and and vocals. we kind of what, what is I, that? <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know what yeah, I'm talking about. Well, <laughs> you know, I think we did kind of figure out a way to to record Brian's voice that has always kind of worked. Yeah. Uh, but we were kind of figured it out on that record, and um, and the way the way we do it, it, it like if you listen to Manor Asterman records, is a lot of times like um, it, we'll do a vocal take and have a keeper take. But Hill will have kind of figured out the words or gotten it down, doing a couple like just, uh, you know, just kind of guide takes for us to like when we play the instrumental music. Yeah, just working through it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And just, there, there just be these scratch vocals there. But a lot of times um, you'll hear something a little 
off. Like a lot, most of the times we'll record two keeper takes and hard pan them to the right and left. And, but then you'll sometimes hear like a word that's off or sometimes it'll even be the wrong word uh, underneath the other words or not synced up right. And a lot of times we'll like mix in little cool bits of his scratch vocals and it kind of gives it this like, um, I, to me, it gives it this kind of neurotic kind of feel that works for his voice really well. Right. And um, and I think we kind of like figured out a way that we felt more confident doing vocals because we figured out a way to to use Brian's voice that really expressed what he wanted to, you know, do with lyrics and the sound of the band and everything. So I think that's like kind of why we started doing more vocals after that. It's just kind of, we, we kind of discovered a way to make it sound good, which is 90% of being in a band. It's figuring out like, how can I make this guitar sound good? Or how does this drum beat sound good? Or what, what does this, key, what one sound does this weird little, you know, keyboard make that will be useful on a record. So it was just that kind of thing. Yeah. Keeping that functionality. Right. Uh, so then, and of course, the album after that is made from Technetium, which is, uh, there's some, again, some cool stuff there. Like Low Bat was a very different kind of song uh, at the time for you guys. You're kind of exploring uh, some more there. Yeah, there's, um, that was a song where, um, like, one of the guitars is played with that back to basic sampler. Like, it's just, it was, you know, Brian doing his original guitar doing guitar parts but then we sampled them and played them with a sampler so it kind of had this very on off robotic kind of like feel that doesn't quite sound like how somebody would naturally play a guitar right sounds a little like robotic or or just not human (laughs) yeah it just doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't sound like yeah it doesn't sound like somebody strumming a guitar and um and yeah i yeah that recording sounds good i you know actually we're recording a new record right now and we've been, I've done some masters, some mastering for some of it already. And, um, and like that record and that song in particular, like I, I, and I think John golden, who's always amazing mastered that record, but it sounds really good. And I've kind of used it as a, like a B shootout for how I'm mastering the new stuff. And it's hard to get that, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that came out really that that recording's really good and it doesn't have too much flubby low end. And that's what I always fight in mass. Oh, God, I mean it's so boring talking about audio. Anyway. <laughs> now you'd be surprised let's, let's, with let's, people that listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 move on. There's a balance. Some people want the want the uh the Salisbury steak T V dinner uh warmers. Some people want like the mastering <laughs> Benalmin or yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like, yeah, we can go back to talking about TVs or on the stage or whatever. I don't, I don't. Sorry, I was talking about mastery. No, uh, no, no, that, that's yeah, fine. So but that, that, that's that record, another. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but that record's a super dark record. It's I very think. dark record. Think that's what like I was gonna made, say. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a very and it's a very bleak time for our band. Um, and, you know when we had just kind of. Uh, it it was kind of sad for me in a way because uh it was when we were like kind of like starting to finally have things pay off i'm not i'm not talking monetarily but like like where we were kind of you've planted you know, seeds and then some of them grow get, yeah right. getting to be bigger and like getting to do what we wanted to do and like not having to worry about 
at least not having to worry about having other jobs and like or anything like that and touring and doing it full time and like this is our band but we had not because we were young we weren't smart enough to know when to stop and we would just we would just say yes to everything and that's like and they'll tell you it's 99% my fault for just like pushing and pushing and pushing um uh but we had just we had toured straight for four years at that point and when we weren't touring we're in the studio and we were just we were kind of finally really found our voice more than ever probably playing better than we ever had but we were just like a broken machine um in that that record for like you know a dumb band like man or astro man playing dumb music in this whatever surf music kind of thing it's kind of an emotional record for me to listen to just knowing the process of it it was a real like i said it was a real broken we were a real broken machine at that point we were had a lot of just psychological road damage i think well and they were you know think things that changed as well yeah hey good times with man or astro man yeah yeah <laughs> which you know uh fences broken now mended uh etc um yeah but I, we we um we got through it I, yeah. I didn't think we were going to finish that record but we did and it's a good record i can't believe yeah. it i don't know why it's good now it still it still holds up still holds up for sure uh so I realize we're kind of running low on time here. I do want to talk briefly yeah, about Eviac. We might have to just lightning round a, 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 lightning a second. Round. By you, hit me with Eviac. Okay, yeah. So anyway, you you, you mean lightning round this shit? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's lightning round it. Yeah. Okay, okay. But you, <laughs> all right, tell me it's go time and I'll do it. Okay, ready? Go, Eviac. No, you you got to say it's go time. Oh, it's go time. Okay, so uh, yeah, because we were kind of a broken machine at that point. Uh, we had decided to split ways with Star Crunch and he started to split ways with us. We were working on a lot of music for the Cartoon Network and things at that point. So we kind of let him do um, that stuff. He did the theme to, song to the Jimmy Neutron and we did the clone tours during that time where we got other bands to tour like the, us, all female version, all male version and us. One, one month we did uh, 90 shows in a month with the three bands. And then we kind of did what uh, people call Man and Astro Man 2.0, where two of the clone members started playing with us. And we put out a record called Eviac, which was probably the coolest stage design we had. We had these giant supercomputers Tesla coil. that were on sta stage with us that were, you know, actually the influence for those was Neil Young's giant Fender amps and that Russ Never Sleeps tour, that um, concert. Anyway, that the Jawas were on stage. Check it out if you, if you haven't. But anyway, and we were we were um, really good live then I thought, and we were playing really big places. But uh, we uh, but that record's really uneven. I it was the first record I com pretty much completely mixed by myself, and there's some like over EQing and the material kind of half sounds like we're trying to be the old band and half trying to sound. Like but the design is really a great record design and there, there, there are good things about that record. And that was the first record with a 2.0 band. And then we did another record after that called spectrum, spectrum of, of infinite scale. Correct. And that's a really kind of weird dubby proggy experimental record that should not have really worked. And a lot of people didn't like it, but I, I, I'm really proud of that record. 
So, and that's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> you no, know, it's not like, you know, it's not like it was like, like, oh man, we were, we didn't, we didn't win a Grammy this time. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, um, but it was, yeah, we, we kind of had, we kind of figured out what that version of the band was with that record. And it was a pretty weird thing, but, but I thought that's a cool record. Defcon four, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Yeah. And that was like in 2006, uh, touch and go had the, um, the, their 25th anniversary. We, we I, honestly, we had, I don't think the three of us had talked for a while, but because Corey Rusk who runs touch and go and the people at touch and go were so amazing to us and, we owe our lives to in so many, so many uh, incalculable ways. We agreed that we would play the Touch and Go 25th anniversary, and it was really fun. We had a great time. And then I forget what came up that we started talking again in 2010, and we got in a room one time. I was real nervous, probably like anybody that goes through this. And and by the way, I don't call it reunion. I call it a reenactment. I think it's a little <laughs> more demeaning that way. So um so we got together to do our reactment years and um and it was weird. It just like it still sound we kind of sounded like we always sound kind of noisy and weird and loud in a room. And um and we told the same stupid jokes that we've been telling each other since we were like just out of high school. And, um, and it was fun and it was fun not having the pressure of like having to be a real band and we have to get it out before South by Southwest and CMJ needs a track for their CD and there's a deadline. And we, it kind of became what it originally was again, which was kind of like our high school garage band that we just started for no other reason than to have fun. So, um, and then we did that record with Steve and it, you know, um, like a lot of it's just live with, um, uh, Samantha and who, who is like a full member now of our band of Bonanova and, um, and who's been in longer than any other fourth member, uh, uh the four of us, uh, you know, uh, probably 70% of that's just us playing live in the A room at, um, Steve studio and at electrical, um so yeah it was it was a fun record to make i i will put an asterisk by that though there's like two or three songs that like took us so much time to record because we were like we were doing a few really unconventional things like one song's like driven by two mellotron parts and things like that (laughs) some of that stuff like we we recorded like 90 or 80 percent of the record in like five days and then we recorded three songs in two weeks. <laughs> That's kind of how it went down. Feast or famine, as they say, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, I, but it, I, I thought that record was good. If you like, if you like the band, like I'm not comparing this to like, like a, a good band, but like, I mean, it's like, if you like our band, I thought that was a good, you know, like I would say it's at least like, don't call it a comeback. No, record. it's, a, it's you know? definitely solid. It's definitely solid. Um, but and it's kind of made it hard making this one, honestly, I think, because it's like I've gone back and listened to it a few times. And I'm like, I hope this new stuff is as good as that record, because then it's going to be like, whoa, they were better. And now they suck. 
<laughs> well, I, I I don't think that's the case at all. I think, in fact, you guys still ruled it very hard. And amazingly, I got to see you this year, which seems really surreal. Uh, Brian, if you can hang out just for a second, I'm gonna I gotta close off the live stream here. Yeah, we got another show coming up, but I, I got one more thing I want I want to talk to you. I guess it'll have to be a bonus thing. Um, okay, yeah. If, if you're good, it won't it won't take too long. That's what they do on Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> the the bonus was actually pretty. I really wanted to get into the clone tour because I have a lot of clone tour. Uh, All right, yeah. Stuff. But before we do that, what I was gonna say this is that an anonymous bandmate uh, wanted to know uh, why'd you get that sticky on you. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. uh, wait, who, who, who knows that story? <laughs> Here's a hint: you so already, you already yeah. invoked the name. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that that, God, it's really weird. Yeah, that happened to me in a Walmart one night where this kid put <laughs> peanut butter all over his crotch. Is that that's the story you're talking about, right? I guess uh, this this is this is intel I'm getting from my from my sources, which uh, this was. This... Oh, uh, oh, are we are we? Is this being like? Is this going to be a bonus bit? That's yeah, this, be this, this will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this will be in the okay. podcast. Okay. No, I, I was I was in um, a Walmart late one night, one of those that stay open all night, um, which is like the best time to go to a crappy place like that when there's no other humans around. Right. And there was this little kid that was like. Uh, should not have been up that late by, you know, my standards um, of parenting when I have no kids. So, um, but the, uh, but all of a sudden I hear this woman scream and she goes, Obadiah, Obadiah. And that, like this kid's name was Obadiah. It's a pretty bit of, you can't get more biblical than that. She goes, why'd you get that sticky all over you? And the kid had opened up a thing of like, uh, like Jiffy peanut butter and like figured out it got all over his hands and figured out he couldn't get it off and then he had just wiped it right in the middle between his legs all over his crotch <laughs> just oh like God. eight-year-old kids got like covered like a crotch covered in peanut butter and his name's Obadiah and his mom says like not why'd you get a substance that is sticky all over you she said the adjective as the noun like why don't you get that sticky all over you and that's basically like in a nutshell what living in alabama is like. uh, right 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 exactly okay that's 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 classic yeah. so uh thank thank yeah. you to friend of the show and, and man ration man member uh ivana nova for for that tidbit oh, because i would never oh, have thought man. of doing that well yeah if she listens to this tell her i said salad Nobody will understand that except for her. So uh, I'm communicating back with her. Exactly. In, jo- in, in jokes only. It's almost like you're on tour again. It's great. I know, right? Exactly. Uh, so, uh, Brian, this has been great, man. Uh, thank you so much for doing it. If you want, if you hey, ever hey, want to hey, come do, back, do, do 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 we have one minute to do me to do a Von Nova impression? Yeah. Hell yes, we do. Of course, we do. Yes. Okay. So uh, she's gonna she's gonna be she's gonna be pissed that I'm calling her out on this. But it's something that is so charming, and I love that she does. First of all, she rocks, and she's like easily the best member of the band, and she's put a lot of great life in the band. And it's kind of, you know, having like a, a kick-ass woman in our band has kind of changed our dynamic. I can't. I love her to death. She's but a powerhouse. She has this, as a person, she, uh, all around. Powerhouse. Yeah, she's su- superb in all ways. But she does this thing, and in the like if we're in the back of a van or where where we're traveling in, and if she thinks, she, um, if she thinks the driver or any of it, whoever's driving is going the wrong way, 
she'll start questioning things under her breath. But she'll be like, <laughs> just, I don't know. Is this, is this really the right way? You know, you know, you know, like, you know, son, you know, son chicks at five. I don't think we're going to make it. I mean, if he doesn't, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think we're going to go around about it. So do you know where we're going? Around? And um, I don't think I've ever let her know that I realized that she she does that. So hopefully she won't listen to this, but that's my line never impression. <laughs> well, I, I, I had a bandmate that used to do the, the same thing too. And it, I, I have a thing right. that I can't stand backseat drivers. I'm, I'm kind of, I can be kind of a prick about, it, or at least I used to be as a younger man. Right. Of course I'm much more evolved now. That's, that's pretty funny. Ho- hopefully she's not, yeah, we, but... we, we love, we love Sam, uh, Ivana, we love Ivana Nova and we speak her name for sure. Yeah. She's the best. I hope one day I can play drums. Like she plays guitar and, rocks out on stage but it won't it will never happen uh so like last thing and this is actually usually how i close the show out and you can it's a only, okay only can question i ever t- ask you when you can kind of interpret it however you sure. like but uh why do you do what you do you know i will say like i wanted to say we didn't have a choice but i guess we <laughs> we did i mean it's just the insanity of the of life you know you you, it's weird being married to something that we started when we were 19 but it also reflects who we are and who we who we kind of still are in a way where you know uh brian star crunch is like very into his instrument the way guitar sound and writing cool songs and making cool noises and rob who's coco was always into making weird devices and I was always into like, you know, just kind of the machinery of it and the the pop culture and and pushing things forward and getting to travel around the world. And, you know, so in a way it kind of reflects for better or worse, you know, who we are as people. And it's just kind of a vehicle for us to get to do all the things we loved. And, you know, we never really made sense as a band, as individuals, like, you know, I know every band says this, but we really are so different and we all have very different skill sets. But at the same, you know, you get some bands that are like good because they're like that kind of Zeppelin machine of just the, 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 you know, the orcs coming over the hill kind of thing to <laughs> like, and we're not that band. I mean, if you're going to use like classic rock idioms, like we've always been a who type band. We're like, all four of us are working against each other, competing for attention on stage. Sure. Yeah. And, um, but sometimes in weird, you know, sometimes that can really make for really magical shows when it works. And I think we're like, you know, at least like, I think we're like nine times out of 10, at least a B plus. But then the cool thing about our band is we'll get a D minus every once in a while. So just like, <laughs> just so you like, we're not one of these like just Jesus so you don't Lizard put on, kind of put bands on airs. that like <laughs> that like never has a bad show. Like yeah. we'll have one that's like so bad, like we'll like hang our heads and you know not talk to each other f- for the rest of the night. Oh. But um, but it keeps it it keeps it interesting because you may get a shitty show. You know, keeps keeps you guessing. Well, as I think I mentioned, I you were in the few bands that I can just drag people out to that uh, have never heard the band or engaged with it in any way, and they can come away not only having had a good time, but come away as fans. And just to kind of bring that home, I did that in February with someone who uh, a friend of mine who just was not familiar at all somehow, which is crazy because it's like 
didn't you play in bands? How do you how do you not know Man Rasher Man? Okay, whatever. Uh, but he loved it. Right. Like it's still after all these oh, years, cool. he loved every part of it. He's like they were fantastic. So uh, just just wanted to throw that out there that these these D it's a D plush so, shows that you mentioned never saw one. Right. Well, you know what? I, I'll say this about our band, and I'll just encapsulate the whole thing about our band in this sentence. We're better than Everclear. <laughs> and with that note. <laughs> yeah. Brian, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. This is really enjoyable. And I, you, you forced me to have like scary childhood memories that I never thought I'd have to think about again. But it was, it was, it was awesome. You're a great interviewer and love your show. And we'll can continue on let's let's like, let's, uh, let's, do, let's do it again sometime round. yeah i was gonna say we, we can just just cool I'm, I'm free tomorrow morning <laughs> if you're around i was gonna say it could be the spectrum of finite scale to the infinite scale yeah but... right <laughs> well i would love to have you on anytime man it's it's a pleasure okay Seriously. well we'll be good stay safe and keep doing what you're doing all right brother take care okay thank you there it goes brian teasley ah oh, that was awesome uh let's let's uh yeah, let's hear some man after man. Fuck yeah. All right, shut up. We're going into the lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. Here we go. We're going to finish this shit up. I go to Indianapolis every year to see the Indy 500. I go there with friends to drive and race. Every year when they go there to qualify, they usually have to go as fast as they possibly can to get a front row position. They put nitro in their cars sometimes instead of the fuel that's intended to be in the cars so that their cars will go faster. And they do, for five or ten laps. And then they blow all the hell.
right, specify gravity. It's off of the uh, 1000 XCP, or 10 inch. Uh, you wanna, I wanna phrase it, 10 inch, whatever. And uh, before, before that, we had nitrous burnout. That was the uh, live version, live transmissions from Uranus. Specifically chose that one because the lightning bonus round talk up <laughs> happened right before there. Uh, Brian Teasley, everybody. Wow, what a cool guy. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite bands for a very long time and, and still up there. So uh, that was an honor. I hope you guys enjoyed that half as much as I did. Saturn. That's the venue. You can find all stuff, uh, Man or Astro Man, I don't know, on the internet. It's on this thing called the internet. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, yeah, Saturn, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. It's SaturnBirmingham.com. Man or Astro Man's on all the things you might think that they might be on. Actually, some of the things that you might think they're on. Uh, they're easy to find. And you can get listen to all the records and stuff. Uh, you know, all the places that you might hear music. Name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. Show airs on Radio Nope. RadioNope.com. Usually Thursdays, 8 a.m. East, or 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Always free. $1 a month. Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal for early access. This microphone no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Sound into electricity. Uh, 2020 Best of Show coming up next. Can you hear me now? Stay tuned. Out on Route Stay safe out there. Dark and, and take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10.
I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, Can you hear me now? 